The Return of the Prodigal by Henry Nouwen. That's the book that we were looking through in the SOB group and just recommend it to you. And today, I'm not going to stray very far from it. Um, I tried to go to other texts this week as I was preparing for this message, but I came here on Wednesday night and I was listening to Jack speak um, as he prayed over people and then he gave a, a, a small message. And it would seem, again with Antler's message two, two, three weeks ago, that the Lord would have us just to stay around the text of Luke chapter 15, which is the text of the prodigal son, the lost younger brother and a lost older brother. Now, as I get going here this morning, let me go straight for the jugular. What are you repenting of? What is it because you are so loved that you are willing and able to let all your defenses down? And if there's anything that we've learned in the SOB group, it would be this. That is, we are so loved. Are you willing to allow yourself to be loved? I think that's one of the messages this morning. See, because you can't really begin to love other people if you've not really received love. If your heart has not been quenched and satisfied with the love of God. I'll tell you what I'm repenting of. A couple of things, maybe many things. One is, I'm too smart for my own good. And upon God's word, I think ministers can often put layer upon layer of their own stuff. And I want to keep things simple this morning by just allowing God's word to speak to you. Secondly, I'm repenting of using anger to get what I want. In fact, this week, I had a great time. I was come in from doing yard work on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. Those of you who see me through the week, I do counseling ministry. But Thursdays and Fridays, I get to go do my own thing. I get to go mow yards for a living. It's great therapy. But I came in on Thursday night, and I was really tired. Tracy was was busy, and I put the boys to bed. And there we were upstairs, roughhousing. They were jumping on top of me. And we're having a rare old time. I'm supposed to be calming them down, but I was getting them all going. And all of a sudden, my youngest, Brennan, he said to me, Dad, come here. I've got a surprise for you. So I leaned forward, and he began to whisper in my ear, and all of a sudden, I felt something wet. (laughs) You know, and as you've seen probably Lord of the Rings, Gandalf, when he's dealing with Bilbo Baggins, suddenly he goes, Bilbo Baggins. Like this, Jonathan suddenly goes, Brennan Jones. And I could feel rising in my heart all of this anger that here was this wonderful little moment of intimacy and play. And my son spits on me. The good news was I was able suddenly to calm that down. I believe it was God's grace right there in that moment to calm it all down and say, Brennan, what are you doing? And his eyes begin to get big because he's already kind of 
knows he's in trouble. And then I reminded him of his identity. Who are you? He goes, my name is Brennan. And who am I? You're my daddy. And you are, he knew where it was going. I'm your son. I love you, son. And as he was stood on the bed right in front of me, I moved forward. And all of a sudden, I could see this kind of confusion on his face. And recently, he's been saying, I know what I want to say, but I don't know how to say it. And he was going, but you're mad with me. But you say you love me. And he couldn't work it out. And all that happened was I'd simply put my arms around him. And the next thing I heard was, I'm sorry, Dad. It was all over. It was all over. Instead of using anger, use love. And I believe that's the message of the gospel. This message is called Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 15. Hopefully this morning, there's no new information. But there is a quotation. John Owen, a great writer and theologian, Christian pastor from the 16th century, said this. Although your greatest difficulty in the Christian life is believing that the Father loves you, You commit your greatest sin by not believing that he really does love you. Did you hear that? What we suppose are our greatest sins are not. Although your greatest difficulty in the Christian life is believing that the Father loves you, you commit your greatest sin by not believing that he really does love you. Let's read our text. Luke chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, 
there is rejoicing in the presence of the angel of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is God's holy word. I want to keep my promise and not put a layer on this. Let me say very, very briefly, God, our Heavenly Father, has two sons. One who has a tendency to run away from him into a far country and another who tends to stay close to him. One who tends to be irreligious and the other one tends to be religious. But both of them are lost. Both of them don't know the Father's love. They look so different, but yet underneath, they're so much the same. One of them is his own Savior. He runs away, does his own thing, lives his own life with his own laws. 
The other one stays close and agrees with the rules of the Father's house, but still doesn't love the Father. They're both relying upon themselves. One relies on his irreligiosity, and the other relies on his religiosity. Both of them don't know the Father's love. However, one of them gets a famine, doesn't he? He comes to an end of himself. All of his riotous living, all of his, quote, prodigal living comes to an end. He has a famine, and it is in that pain that he begins to think. In fact, pain. Any of you who get my cell phone, I don't have it right now. You'll hear a message if you get my cell phone. It says something like this. Don't waste your pain. See, pain, God uses pain. Pain will bring you, if you you will use it properly, back into relationship with the Father. It is pain, his experience of pain, that brought him to be thinking about, hey, how about my dad? What about him? You know what? He's good even to the hired hands. I tell you what, I'll go back home. At least there, it's better off than where I am. I don't like him very much still, but at least being back home is better than where I am. And he goes back home. And when he comes home, wouldn't you be encouraged to repent if your father came out the door? And before you'd even got very far in your explanation of all that you did, God is not bothered about it. He begins to want to explain where he's been. And the father goes, up! Quick! And before he knew, he had a ring on his finger. He had a new cloak. He had new shoes, and he was in a party. The Lord had wept upon him. He had kissed him. He had slobbered and probably snotted all over him. But I don't think that's the point. They'll believe it. I believe the whole point of this passage and all the stories that lead up to the story of the two lost sons is that Jesus is warning us that there's an even greater danger. And that is the danger of being an older brother. You see, because the context is now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus is telling his stories, not so much for the prodigals, but for the older brothers. I know what it's like to be an older brother. That's another thing I'm repenting of. One of the first times I came to this church, even to be in a church after being hurt, Some of you, we've all got different stories, but having been a pastor, I've been hurt by the church. And I can remember coming over to this post. It was during a prayer time, and a prayer warrior came over to pray for me. My hands were like this. My arms were folded. I was mad, angry. I don't want to play. Full of cynicism. I don't know whether this is right. Where I just said, that's okay. You can be angry. And so I was. 
And it's through being at this church and being loved that the Lord has slowly begun to dethrone my heart from being a Pharisee. From having gone to seminary and being a pastor for seven years. Don't you owe me? These words, in fact, there's anything that I've learned from being with the SOB group, those guys, they tease incessantly. I'm the guy who eats all the bacon bits. Every week. Watch out for the bacon bits. Jonathan will get them. But if there's anything that's changing me, and that is, and from our study, it's these words. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. I used to think the father really didn't like the older son. That there was really nothing for him. The older son has, is speaking to his father, and he's mad. He's angry. He's boasting about his own works. He gossips. He tells about what the younger son has been doing as if the father really didn't know. He's jealous of the, older, of the younger son. And the father treats him the same way. The father never talks about the younger son, does he? And the father here doesn't say, son now, don't, don't speak like that. He just says to him, look, you're mine too. Everything that I have is yours. Don't worry about the family farm, even though your younger brothers come back. I won't split it back up again. We had to celebrate. It was only right. What is going on here? I believe even though Jesus is not in this text, he is actually the point of the text. You see, Jesus is telling this story to two groups of people. Those who are rebellious and run away, and those who are close and are religiously self-righteous. And he says, look, you are better off being one who runs away and gets a famine and then comes back and then experiences my grace and my love through that famine than being close to me and being self-righteous and relying on your religiosity. In fact, it's harder for you to experience my love. The Lord would say to us today, don't be your own savior. Trust the true son, the true elder brother, and that's Jesus himself. Jesus was telling these stories, not just to point us to the loving father, but to point us to himself. He says, I am the true elder brother. You Pharisees, you religious people, you should be the ones who are here with me. You should be showing compassion. You should be showing mercy on these younger brothers. But you think that if you do that, there'll be nothing left for you. But I'm not like that, Jesus is saying. I'm like my dad. I'm a, trip. I'm a chip off the old block. I'm the one who came from heaven and who came so far from heaven and came down to earth. And I gave up my sonship so that you could be the son. I gave up the right to my ring 
so that you can have the ring of sonship and daughtership. I gave up my robe of righteousness, and I'm going to give it to you. He who knew no sin became sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Jesus, our true elder brother, gives up everything so that we can have everything. Where are you this morning? Is your heart more of a prodigal or are you more of an older brother? Believe this morning that your greatest difficulty is believing that you're loved. But also believe that your greatest difficulty is not believing that you're loved. The Father loves both. And I welcome you this morning as we pray together, as you receive ministry. Christians don't just repent of their badness. Christianity and Christians repent of their goodness and trust that only Jesus is good and only Him alone. And may He receive all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Amen? I want to do something a little bit different. Jack, would you come and close?